Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the goddamn podcast. This is Mark Bennett. Mark Joseph Bennett. I, uh, you know, I had trouble spelling my middle name when I was young, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and think I'm stupid. You go right ahead. You know the kids aren't allowed to say stupid anymore? I know I've gone off on three tangents already. But the kids aren't allowed to say stupid in school anymore. They say it's a bad word, it has a bad connotation, because kids will call each other stupid, and they don't, they don't like that. But, I mean, sometimes things are stupid, right? Not necessarily another kid, but why can't... The whole word is gone. That doesn't seem right, you know? I guess situation could be stupid. This is just stupid. Like, yeah, let's say if it's hot outside, this is stupid hot. I know that's not the proper use of the term, but I want, maybe I want to use stupid in that sentence. So, stupid, maybe yes. But I had trouble spelling Joseph when I was young. J-O-S-E-P-H. See, I nailed it. I got it done now. But think about it. I always thought it was like an extension of Joe. You know, hey, my name is Joe. Full name, Joseph. Like like my kid Samuel. It's short. Sam is short for Samuel. So I thought Joe short for Joseph, right? But Joe, as we all know, is spelled J-O-E. Unless you're talking about Joe from Facts of Life. Joe from Facts of Life, I think, was a J-O. I think that's a, maybe that's a lesbian thing. I don't know. I think that's how she spelled it, the fictitious character of Joe, who in no way was necessarily a lesbian, but she wore a leather jacket, and that was enough for the Internet to dub her a lesbian. What was I talking about? Right. Didn't know how to spell Joseph. And now, like today, we brought the kid... To his first dentist appointment. Yes, he's not even 12 months old. My wife is a crazy person. Had to, She needs him to go to the dentist. Needs his first dentist checkup. She said, I, w- I need a dentist in place. And um, I had to spell his name on the form. Samuel. And I'm like, is it U-E-L or E-U-L? She goes, it's not Sam E-U-L. It's Sam U-L. U-E-L. I'm going to have trouble spelling my own child's name. I'm just going to write Sam on everything. I don't know, it's like a mental block of mine of these types of things. Like, Joseph, I still, like, when I spelled it out loud for you guys a few seconds ago, there was some doubt. There was some doubt in my head. Maybe you heard it in my voice. But I did, this is, what what I wanted to start with was not these things. What I wanted to say was, you guys know uh, my neighbor, Srini. You know, long time listeners to the podcast. You know I have a love, I had a lovely neighbor named Srini. Srini something or other. Never never knew his last name. Didn't even know his first name until the day he was leaving because he wanted to exchange numbers because, you know, he said, you guys come out and visit us. And, you know, we're not going to. It's just that's what you say. And he doesn't want us to come visit. But, you know, that's just what you say because you guys are friendly and, and you saw him a lot for the last five or six years. And it seems weird to just leave and go, well, goodbye forever. Good fucking luck with your whole life. No, you want to go, hey, hey, listen, there's something between us. There's something here. Let's keep this going. This this obvious connection that we have as people who happen to live next door to each other in a large apartment building. But Srini had a wife and two kids. I have a wife and one kid. And it was a pretty good match. Uh, as you guys know, I was I was lamenting the fact that Srini is not going to be in our lives anymore. Because I'm worried about what's coming next. And I got to tell you, I think we lucked out, guys. It, listen, listen. It's too early. 
It's too early to call this, but it's August 1st, which means someone just moved in today. I didn't even hear them move in. That's a good sign. Didn't even hear these fucking guys move in. And that's right. I said, guys, and you're like, whoa, whoa, Mark. Two dudes. Are you say that? That sounds like that could be uh, that could be raucous because they're 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 fairly young guys. I'd say they're 25. But dudes, these dudes, listen to this. Gay. Gay is a gay dollar bill. At least I think, you know, it's not like they said, hi, nice to meet you. We're a gay couple. But I really think as a man of the world, guys, 39 years old. All right. I think I think I can make that call by meeting these two guys. They I feel like without them overtly saying, hello, we are a same sex couple. Nice to meet you. To me, it was still it was imparted. And I I'm so happy. I'm so goddamn happy. Anyone could have moved next door, but I think two gay dudes and their little dog, that sounds about as nice of a neighbor situation as I can imagine. And I got I got I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the gays. I just I like I feel like you know they're I don't know. It's weird, it's weird. I guess I'm 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 uh I'm anti-prejudice. Maybe I go too far the other way. I assume because they're a gay couple that they're awesome, that they have good, you know, religious views. And by good ones, I mean they have no religious views and, and that they're progressive and that they're they're forward thinkers, you know, and they're they're not, uh, you know, they, they don't hate the world and they're not just out for number one. Maybe it's like, I don't know, that's perhaps I shouldn't lump that on them. Maybe that's a form of prejudice, assuming that they're good people. But I do. I, I just do. It's like if I met a philosophy professor, okay? If I meet a philosophy professor, chances are I'm going to assume this man is thoughtful and, uh, and, and is not, let's say, Donald Trump's best friend. Let's just say my guess is Steve Bannon is not a philosophy professor. Now, if you like Donald Trump, maybe you don't want to hear that. If you like Donald Trump, you may not be listening to this podcast. Or if you are, you know what? I have talked about that shit on this podcast. Donald Trump supporters are welcome to listen to this podcast. That's it's one of the problems in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just, not, we're just not communicating. And you guys can disagree with me uh, on lots of things, you know? You can, you can, you can say, Mark, uh, having a puppy... Is a bad thing, whereas I think it's a good thing. The gays have a puppy, and I think that's great because I love puppies. They're adorable. So this gay couple, not only will they be probably good neighbors, they've added in the element of a little doggy. Oh, just wonderful news. I'll report back uh, on this, on these guys, uh, and how and how great they are as neighbors. I'm assuming it's going to go well. And the things now I'm in my head. Do you hear this? I'm already in my head because I'm thinking to myself, you know, they'll ask me what I do for a living eventually. And I'll be like, I'm a comedian. They'll be like, that's awesome. We figured because you were so goddamn funny. Like we could just tell from the moment we met you, you're probably the funniest guy on the planet. And uh, we would love to see your show. We're already big fans. I'm assuming that's how the conversation will go. And then, of course, they'll say, where can we get more of you? Where can we 
hear you, see you. And I'll tell them about the comedy club and the, and the shows that are, that are upcoming. I'll tell them about my CD that's about to be done. And of course, I'll tell them about this podcast. And uh, they'll listen. And, and if they start listening, like let's say that conversation is tomorrow, this is the first thing they'll hear. And, um, you know, I've said nothing but good things, right? So my point is I'm not going to say bad things because it's just, it happens. You know, you, 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 I, I live my life and then I complain about it to you people, to you good people. And when I complain about it sometimes, uh, the people I'm complaining about, become they come dangerously close to listening, if not listening. And I don't remember any of the shit I said. So like, I, sometimes I'll meet people and uh, they'll get wind of the podcast. And my first thought is, have I talked about them? You know, like guys at the gym who started listening. God, I'm pretty sure I badmouth some of the people who have, who have started listening. Now, hopefully it was all nicknames and they don't remember because I never know people's real names. So I just call them, you know, something else. I'll tell you what else is bothering me about the guys next door is that I left the apartment. Uh, like my hair is a mess. I got to get my hair cut tomorrow. And um, you guys get stressed out about a haircut. I do. I don't know what it is. I've always had a thing with my hair. I, I It doesn't look good right now, but I don't want to go get a cut. It's such a drastic change. You know, I always feel like I'm going to get a bad haircut. And then when I do get a haircut, I always feel like, ah, there was mispotential there. I always feel like a good hairstyle can make a man. I, it's probably not true. You know, like guys like Brad Pitt, everyone loves Brad Pitt. All the ladies, although maybe people don't love him anymore because of the whole Angelina breakup thing. You know, apparently he was a big, he was a very hard ass, very, uh, very author- authoritarian with his children. I don't know that. And Brad is probably uh, a listener of the show. So, Brad, I apologize for this hearsay. But that is, that's kind of what got circulated on the old internet there. Uh, the rumors that he was very tough, very tough on the kids. And uh, Angie didn't like that. So Angie said, I'm sorry, I have to get away from you. Now, Angie seems to be a bit of a ball of nerves herself. You know, she's gone through a lot in her life. Don't get me wrong. You're allowed, to have a, you're allowed to have a ball of nerves. She should do cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, I'll get into that in a minute. Get into the old cognitive behavioral therapy in just a minute. But right now I want to say with the guys next door, uh, the two gay guys. Hey, did I ever tell you guys that I felt like a collection of gay men should be called a pride? Did I mention that? Because I think that's awesome. What a great name for a group of gay men, a pride, right? I mean, I suppose it could be a group of, of gay men or women. I just, I don't know, for some reason, it just it feels like it, like it suits the gay men. It's a pride of guys. It's a pride of gay men right there. You know they have the pride parade? You know? Right? I think that's great. You guys, I tell you what, if you're out there and, and you're gay and you want to... Take that. You can. But I got to, you know, I say that with a heavy heart. I say that with a heavy heart because I feel like that's a great term that should be applied to me. Who knows? If I thought of it, maybe it's been thought of a million times. Maybe there's a pile of gay guys out there who are constantly calling themselves a pride of gays. You know? Now I'm going through this. 
I'm going through this uh, in my mind now as I'm saying this, trying to think, is this offensive in any way? Probably is. It probably is, and I'm sorry about that, <laughs> especially to the my neighbors who are now probably listening after we had the conversation about how I'm an, am- an amazing comedian. Bigoted. An amazing, bigoted comedian. No, in no way, shape, or form, as far as I know, do I have bigotry in my heart. Okay? So everything I'm saying is with love and affection. I just, I like cool nicknames. If I could have a cool nickname for me and like my buddies, you know. We were calling ourselves a paragon for a while, me and my my male friends. Paragon is like the pinnacle of something, manliness or something like that. The paragon, a paragon. I even named my first fictitious production company Paragon Productions. I love a good nickname. What was I saying? All right. The next door neighbor, guys, I shook their hand. And the problem with that was I had just come out of the apartment, got the bad hair. Remember from a few seconds ago? So I had to put a little goop in there, a little a little paste. I like paste, guys, because my hair is thin. All right? I don't have luxurious locks. It's kind of thin, so I need something kind of stiff to put it up. Regular, regular gel doesn't work, so I use a I use a paste, and um, it's good. It smells like coconuts. Really like it. By KMS, hard to get now. You gotta I gotta order it in on like Amazon. It's too bad. But the thing is, this paste, because it is kind of thick and sticky, you really gotta wash your hands pretty good afterwards. And I didn't. Kind of just rinse them and and went. And it makes my hands a little sticky and a little clammy, obviously, you know. But I just thought I was going down to the Toyota Prius recording studio. I just thought I was getting in the car. I didn't think I'd meet my neighbors and have to shake their hands for the first time. There's only one chance to shake someone's hand the first time. So now they're probably like, ugh, that guy. He's fucking, he's got clammy, sticky hands. You know? That's not a good way to meet people. Now, see? Now I feel like I feel like now I'm I'm just going to be constantly looking for ways to shake their hands from now on to just disprove their current theory that their neighbor has really shitty hands. Oh, hey, how about this? Here's another reason, okay? Besides a general vibe I got that I think that these guys are a gay couple, they there's there's only one bedroom in that apartment. It's a one-bedroom apartment. I forgot all about that. I See? Now I feel good. Now I feel like I wasn't incorrectly assuming something based on, you know, mannerisms or any, any such thing. I just made a logical conclusion. Now, granted, I wasn't factoring in the one-bedroom thing at that time. Look, guys, I'm a man of the world. All right? I'm not going to apologize for knowing that these guys, 99%, are, are, are a homosexual couple? Why, why am I explaining this to you? So, I just, I'm always, look, I'm always worried that, that I'm on the wrong side of an argument. I'm always worried that maybe what I'm saying is, is in some way discriminatory, you know? And it's not that I'm worried about myself that that I that I hold hate in my heart guys. It's not about that. No. 
It's about the fact that you you just you just can't go around thinking you know everything. And maybe you you hold some personal prejudices and biases that you are unaware of. You know, so through self-examination, you know, maybe you can come to go, you know what, I shouldn't have I shouldn't say these things. I shouldn't make these judgments. I shouldn't make these assumptions. Well, I think I'm safe here. I think I'm I think I'm safe. You guys, you can write in your hate letters if if I'm not safe, if I've done something to uh you know, to hold back the plight of of the gay people who should have equal rights, equal rights and freedoms. And I am proud to call these two guys my best friends. Okay? Already, these two guys who live next door to me, who I met for 30 seconds, are my best friends. But yeah, guys, the CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, not cock and ball torture. That's the thing. If you look up CBT on the internet, you may not get the psychological stuff you're looking for because it is also the acronym for cock and ball torture. CBT. Which is how I found the psychological principles to begin with. Just doing my standard porn search, right? And then see all this helpful information about anxiety. That's the thing. That's what it battles the most. Anxiety, depression. Here's I just don't understand why this isn't most of psychology or psychiatry. It's one of the only things that's very quantifiable. You can actually measure, and they have measured, and they have excellent results when it comes to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So these are practical tools that basically help people with anxiety and depression and uh, and ADHD, which you heard me bleed on about last podcast about how it's not a thing. Apparently, okay, I did some reading on it. It's quite possible it's a thing now. Now hold your horses, all right? Hold your horses where they are. The thing is, it's a pretty severe thing where, like, a kid is so restless and he never sleeps and, like, shit, shit's just going wrong. You look at that kid and you're like, holy shit. And you think, oh, well, I know a few of those kids. You probably don't. Like, it's, it's super extreme. They're saying... that. They never, here's the thing about the ADHD. I'll get back to the CBT in a minute. But the thing about the ADHD, all right, it's uh, it's diagnosed by people who aren't doctors for the most part. So a guy kind of like it, I think it was the 50s or 60s, they, 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 they sort of started to form the notion of what ADHD would become. Like a child has this, has this, has this. And, uh, But like you said, very extreme cases. And then, um, of course, the pharmaceutical companies got involved. The advertising went nuts uh, in the 80s and 90s. And fucking. And now we have um, the amount. Well, basically, they're saying it's about 1% of cases that are studied by experts would would be um, 1% to 2% would be diagnosed with ADHD. And those people could probably benefit from some pharmaceuticals. But 
they're saying the incidence is somewhere around 15% now. And that 15% of kids being diagnosed, almost none of them are being diagnosed by medical health professionals, teachers, or parents. They say like the what they consider some of the most in-depth analysis of the kids is a phone call with the parents. Like they're just no one's really evaluating what and the crazy part is they say it's like one to two percent of if a if uh scientists psychiatrists clinicians if they studied the kids who have problems or or perceived problems they're saying like one to two percent of them would have it and the crazy part is that the kids it's it's also being underdiagnosed in the kids who legitimately have it and the thing, because the thing, one of the things that is absolutely uh, a marker for somebody to have ADHD is for them to live in poverty, for them to have grown up uh, without some of the basic necessities of life. Of course, it affects the brain and fucks you up. So those are the kids who have it. And you have all these fucking rich kids in Western society running around who, uh, hey, I like comic books. I take some pills. You're not supposed to like comic books. You know, I like playing my I like playing my Nintendo game. No, it's just too bad. Sit down and shut up. You take this pill. Which is speed. Okay? For those of you who don't know, it's an amphetamine. That's what like Ritalin is, and then and the fucking like it's it's as sickening as you would think. They they thought Ritalin was safe for kids. Um, so they started just making kids have a, diso- a disorder, which they don't really have. And uh, then when the patent ran out on Ritalin, then miraculously a better version, Adderall, comes about. And then when the patent starts wearing off with that, they come up with fucking Vyvanse, which is the pill I was on. You know, and so, so as soon as they start making a generic version, they start making another pill. It's just, it's as gross as you could possibly imagine. It's like back in the in the 50s with, te- you know, television commercials with doctors with cigarettes just saying, this is the healthiest brand of cigarettes I smoke, right? Like, that really happened. And it's still happening right now. Oh, my God. The pharmaceutical companies, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, I, I listen, uh, guys, I don't want to talk about it. Well, why'd you bring it up, Mark? I just, because I got on the CBT thing, and then that threw me for a loop. All right, with the end. It's, it's, it's because you can battle ADHD, even if the kid really has it, which he probably doesn't. Uh, you generalize anxiety disorder. Um, you know, like... The, the, a lot of the things that kids are doing is they have a bit of anxiety. And... Uh, you know, and the people who are depressed and there's ways to battle it. And it is through cognitive behavioral therapy. And I like it because there's just it's just different ways of reframing questions. And I need that shit. Like I got I have two shows coming up. I got a show on Friday at the Comedy Works in Mississauga and a show Saturday at the Comedy Works in Mississauga. And, uh, you know, I feel I feel feel a bit nervous. You know, I'm just a nerve. I'm a nervous person. You guys know that by now. I'm a nervous individual. You just heard me explain for 20 minutes why I thought the couple next door was gay and how it's okay for me to think that. I'm a nervous person. So I need sometimes to to break that cycle of nerves. You know, what I do for a living, it's stupid. To be a nervous person who performs for a living, that's an idiotic thing to do with. Here we are. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. So what I think I need to do is reframe these questions. You know, you 
you go, oh, it's uh, I, I don't want to do the show on Friday, and you have to reframe it and to to uh, oh, look at the opportunity I have to. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I got to do a little more reading. You know, I um, I saw a therapist once for a little while. That's right, everybody. For a little while, I saw a therapist. And it was about this. It was about the anxiety. And then she was telling me, hey, the CBT. And then I looked into it and I was like, yeah. And it really helped for a period of time. But I've forgotten all of the stuff. It was a couple of years ago. So now I have to go reread it and figure out how to reframe my questions. Because it retrains your brain, apparently. It, it, it changes up the wiring so that you can, you know, get out of that cycle of anxiety where you're just thinking about the same shit over and over again. I, it's, uh... Going to get back into the old CBT and the cock and ball torture. Getting back into that, too. Why not? Do them both, everybody. There's no law that says they're mutually exclusive. Do them both. And uh, we took the little kid to the dentist. I mentioned that at the very beginning. And uh, the reason is, is my wife was born with holes in her teeth. This is the story. I don't know. I wasn't there. But that's what she said. So she's been terrified since the day he was born that his teeth were going to come out looking like Swiss cheese. So we brought him to the dentist and I'm sitting there like, you know, man, they're going to think we're crazy. My wife is just, well, look, you guys, we have our own things. Look at me. I'm doing CBT, guys. So my wife, she's maybe she needs to do the CBT about about the teeth. CBTT. Cognitive behavioral therapy teeth. So we brought him brought him in, and this kid is so goddamn adorable. He just, he lit up the room, just smiling. He, it's unfortunate. He has his dad's uh, need for attention. He just, he's, he's playing with a toy in the dentist's office, and he's like, hey, hey, you remember that scene where uh, Kramer is trying to get uh, Joe DiMaggio's attention? So he's slapping the table going, whoop, whoop. That is basically what my son does to get people's attention. Just, he's just playing. It's not good enough that he's playing with something. Someone's got to watch him playing with something. And he just tries to lock eyes with every person in the room. Then he gives them a big smile because he wants them to smile back. It's all he wants is people's attention and for them to smile at him, which is adorable. But I know from personal experience, not a good way to live. And um, so all the, the, the nurses, what do they call them? Dental hygienists. They're not nurses, I guess. Receptionists, dental hygienists, and, uh, and the dentist himself, they were just uh, enamored with this little bastard. And uh, he's being cute as hell. And the dentist more or less like, what's he doing here exactly? He's, what is he, zero? And we were like, yeah, he'll be 12 months in, in like 10 days. So, um, and he just kind of looked at him. He was like, yeah, well, he's got two teeth. And then he said, what you want to do is you take, you just take a little wet cloth and you kind of, you know, after breastfeeding, you, you wipe his uh, teeth. And that way he was saying to Sarah, you had holes in your teeth. Maybe it felt like to your mother that the teeth were coming in with holes in them. But what was happening is that you were being breastfed on demand, maybe, maybe being breastfed late in the night and, uh, the, the the I guess the sugar in the breast milk I was was causing decay, so what she needed was her teeth wiped after the breastfeeding. And he said apparently he said it's still quite prevalent today. He said uh, that some kids they have little holes in their teeth because 
uh, women don't wipe down the teeth after the breastfeeding. You know, and I'm not, and now I'm the dad, and I got I give him some milk as well, which is not the breast milk, just regular milk, and um, so I also need to take a wet cloth and wipe his teeth. I did not do that today. The dentist told me to do it, and the first thing I did was ignore his advice. It's just he's hard to put down for a nap, guys. I'm not going to stick my finger in his gob as he's falling asleep when he's he's such a pain in the ass to put to sleep. He was drifting off. I'm not going to go. Hold on a second. Let me just shove my finger in your mouth. That'll wake anybody up, you know? So, but the dentist reassured my wife, and that's good. A lot of what we do, I feel like, is uh, reassuring the wife, you know? Like, we we phoned a sleep consultant about putting Sam to sleep. My wife thought the way the things we were doing were were torturing the baby, you know? He's, uh, because we're not... Like you, you had to let them cry a little bit to go to sleep, and she was upset about it. And then she's talking to the sleep coach, and we spent like three hundred fifty bucks on this person to send her text messages. But because the wife feels better, the wife—that's what I call her, because it's the forties. Because Sarah feels better, um, then everybody, it, it, everybody feels better. Like the better Sarah feels, the better the baby feels. They feed off that shit. Like the gays who have the puppy next door. If those gays are super relaxed, and I know they are, then that puppy's going to be relaxed. You know, just like if me and Sarah are relaxed, that baby's going to be. So her worried about the dentist, the teeth, worried about the sleep. Yeah, let's talk to a couple experts. And then they will say, yeah, calm the fuck down. Calm your horses. And uh, so we feel good now, you know. But the impending doom was upon us, ladies and gentlemen. My wife goes back to work on Monday of next week. Oh, Jesus in the garden, Christ Almighty. I got to take care of this baby by myself. And you guys know I have the bone disease. I'm going in on Thursday, by the way, for those of you who give a flying shit. Going in on Thursday to find out if they, they could find that goddamn tumor that's probably causing this although it's starting to look like it might be genetic and that would fucking suck and you're like oh tumor be is is worse than genetic isn't it no because a tumor they can cut right out and it's usually benign and uh but the genetic that just means i need i try to take maybe phosphate medication it's gonna be fucking ah and my friend paul he's an internal medicine doctor um just a Friggin' knows everything. The guy fucking knows everything. And you guys know how rare this disorder is. The TIO is super rare. Only been a few hundred cases in the history of civilization. I'm special. Got a special illness. And uh, I write my friend Paul going, is there any way he's heard of this? Because most doctors haven't heard of it. And Paul is a young doctor. You know, well, Jesus, I guess he's not young anymore. Fuck, I keep forgetting how old I am. Christ almighty, you wouldn't say a 39-year-old doctor is a young doctor, would you? You wouldn't say he's an old doctor, but you wouldn't go with young doctor. Anyway, he's Paul's always been a superstar uh, at school and medicine and fucking everything. So it's like he's a, he's a, he's a computer. Like, things go in and they don't leave. So he said, yeah, he's, uh, he wrote me. He said, I don't, uh, I'm not an expert in this field. He said, obviously, I do different type of medicine. But I remember a little bit from school and then he just riddled it off. I'm like, yep, yep, all that's it. You are correct, sir. Uh, maybe he could have diagnosed me two years ago when, we, when I was trying to figure out what it was. But um, what he was saying was the place that knows a lot about my condition 
is actually fucking Newfoundland, where I grew up. The like the population of Newfoundland, it's hard, it's barely a province of Canada. There's like 500,000 people total. And the areas where there's been some serious research done is areas that have like a couple thousand people. So, and, and it, it's those people grew up like at Marystown in the Buren Peninsula. And th- those places are about two hours away from where my dad grew up. So there's a huge prevalence of my disorder in that area. And I don't know how the fuck Paul knows that. And I don't know why this isn't the case. But I live in Toronto, which is supposed to be the most advanced city in Canada. And so here I was thinking that, you know, I was living high on the hog, that I was, I was, I had a silver spoon up my ass because here I am in Toronto and. I have the access to the best doctors and the best equipment. And it turns out a lot of the fucking experts are back home in my little tiny province. And that's the thing. Maybe it's genetic. And I'm I'm a product of my genetics from that roughly same area. For fuck's sake. So now I got to I got to fly back home to Newfoundland. That is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like being in in uh, fucking New York City and then having a disease and they're like, oh, do you know where you need to go is Rwanda. Just get on a plane, go to Rwanda. Those are the experts right there. We don't know shit in New York City. That's how it feels. But anyway, maybe my doctor will have some answers for me. I feel like, like I told you guys, I feel like she's not going to have a lot of answers and uh, I'm going to be in the same boat. And I got that kid. I got that kid to take care of. And my wife's starting to get worried. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because I am at the best of times, guys. I am a subpar caregiver. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a good, I'm not, I'm not good at uh, anything, really. And I'm okay at comedy. But um, that's about it. You'll find most comedians aren't very good at life in general. That's how they become comedians. They walk around griping about everything. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I can tell a story about how I can't do shit, and maybe it'll make some people laugh. So, uh, how was I saying? Yeah, I can't take care of this kid. Well, that's what... That's the wife. She's worried now. She's, she's, She's phrasing it nicely. I'm worried about your energy level. I'm worried about your your bone condition. Really, I think she's just it's just getting to the point where she realizes I'm about to leave my son, the thing I value most in life, with that man over there. That man who is sitting shirtless playing PlayStation 4 is going to be tending to the most precious thing in my life. But she she is right that uh that I have low energy. I mean, and, and like I said, perhaps it's a product of the disease. It probably is. According to the doctor, it is. I'm going to take her take her at her word. But, um, you know, I also could just be super lazy. So, I, I, you know, I have some plans to try to take care of them. I'm going to try to keep the energy level up. I'm going to keep drinking the water. Guys, if, I said last time, drink a shit ton of water if you got low energy. It really helps. In fact, I haven't drank enough water today. Drank. I haven't. Is that right? That's right. Grammatically, I haven't drank. Oh, man. I'm not fit to take care of a child. I don't even know how to speak English. My wife is trying to teach him French, 
and English. And uh, she doesn't want me to talk to him in French because, of course, I can't. So I'm just, I crucify all the books I'm reading when I, when I try to do the French out loud. But what she really should be concerned about is the English because uh, he's probably going to pick that up from me and, and poorly. Because I grew up in Newfoundland where they don't speak English well, but they know all about rare bone diseases. It's going to be fine, guys. It's going to be fine. Myself and my new gay besties, we're going to raise this child. It takes a village, okay? And these two guys are going to help me raise this child. We're going to play with a puppy. We, we're, we're going to teach him about the world. We're going to say sometimes, it's, sometimes a couple is a mommy and a daddy, and sometimes a couple is two daddies. And then he'll go to school, you know, when he's, whenever, four. When do, you, when do you send a kid to school? I am not prepared. I'm not prepared for this upcoming task that I have. It's going to be all right. I was watching a documentary called The Beginning of Life or something like that. I think it was a Reggio Emilia-sponsored documentary, which is a form of child rearing. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like a, Not a form of child rearing, a form of, of uh, what do you call them? Uh, daycares, you know, it's this Italian daycare. There's another Italian daycare uh, called uh, the uh, Montessori method, you know, and they're both from Italian ladies who wanted to make the world a better place. Although I think Reggio Emilia is based on uh, the Reggio Emilia city. I don't fucking know. Guys, what I do know is that this documentary about the beginning of life, which was sponsored probably by one of those daycare facilities because they want more money. I'm cynical. I'm cynical. But I do agree with their philosophy on raising kids, and I agree with the Montessori philosophy on raising the kids. Do your best to help out the kids. You know, I have no trouble with that. They, they're they sending me their propaganda. I get that, but they should. They should they should have their propaganda out there. It's a better it's a better thing to, to try to be thoughtful. They had Rafi on the documentary for fuck's sake. Raffi, he's a wonderful man who sings children's songs and created a center for honoring children. They were making a lot of good points, you know, about how society has to band together to raise kids, you know. Even if these kids are from families who don't want them or like like I was saying to Sarah, you're watching a documentary when they were all saying, we, we are responsible for, for raising kids. So what we want to do is as a society come together and and help raise these kids. And I was saying, Sarah, well, yeah, but it's not my fault that a couple of people want to have nine kids and now I have to take care of these kids as a society. And then Sarah was like, yeah, but that's the point, right? Is that, you know, it pays dividends in the future. Your future will be better. Your children's future will be better if all of the kids, accidents or no, here by irresponsible people or responsible people or or many other circumstances, if all these kids flourish, society flourishes. So even if it's not your choice that somebody had 15 kids, if those 15 kids grow up well, society in general will do better. And don't we all want that? It takes a goddamn village. Right. So um, the point is, the documentary was saying that the best teacher for the children 
are their parents or their caregivers. I mean, it doesn't have to be their specific parents, but but their primary caregiver. And the best thing you can do is be around. And let me tell you something. I got that fucking knocked. Who's around more than me? Nobody. In fact, I'm pretty sure my baby occasionally is like, does this guy ever fucking leave? Could he give me some space? I'm trying to be an independent person in the world. And him and the cat are always just sitting there looking at me. Get out of the house. Speaking of that, I've been away from my apartment too long. It's been uh, about, you know, 45 minutes since I've been upstairs. I got to hunker down with a beer in front of the TV. Talk to you again. I'll tell you about my tests if you give a shit. I'll just tell you anyway, even if you don't give a shit. I'll check in with you as soon as I can. Got these fucking shows to do. Got to get a haircut. It's a stressful week. Then I got to raise a baby the week after. This is, these are good times for Mark Joseph Bennett. So that's good night. That's good night from me. I said shut up. Talk to you soon.